Hey, hey, how we doing? We've had so many people ask you tonight if you're doing good. If I were you, I'd just be like, fine, shut up. You know, don't ask me anymore. So glad you're here at the Victorville Campus Center. This is what we call a Leeds weekend. So I'm only going to welcome you. I'm not going to welcome Apple Valley and Phelan and Asperia, not because I don't like them, but because they have their own leads preaching live tomorrow, and they'll do that for us. But tonight it's just us. And I'm going to say tonight a whole lot of times because I normally never can. And so we're going to have a lot of fun. So glad that you're here. We are in Serve Campus, a unique weekend. We'll explain some more about that. We're in a series this summer called Do Something. And these last four weeks of this series, we're going to really kind of focus in on our, on our meaningfuls. And we'll explain those a little bit more uh, as we get going tonight. If you didn't get a copy of the notes on the way in, raise your hand. We'd love to get you a copy of those so you can track with us. Really important to be able to fill in blanks because we are a blanking church and we'd love to fill in our blanks. So uh, be prepared for that. If you have a Bible, book Bible, electronic Bible, whatever it is, turn it to uh, John chapter two, our first place we're going to dive in tonight, and you'll be ready to go with that. So here we are, and and it's interesting when I think about our world and how easily distracted we are. Maybe part of it is because there's just so many shiny things, you know, and just kind of, oh, what's that? And we bop over here. Or it's the idea that we've really embraced the idea that multitasking is awesome. And the more things you can multitask, the better you are, the more efficient you are. Every survey and study says that the less effective you are, but nonetheless, we just, the way our lives go, we have all kinds of reasons why multitasking is so important to us. And what we find is that we are so easily diffused and distracted and not focused. This commercial is a great reminder to us of how much we value being able to do at least two or more things at once. Take a look. It's better, doing two things at once or just one? Two. Two. You sure? Two times is awesome. The thing I can do is wave my head and wave. That's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. Look, I can do Hold it. on, I'm watching this. It's not complicated. Doing two things at once is better. All right, you remember that, right? And uh, I'm not trying to sell AT&T phones. Instead, what I want you to do is that, that commercial, when you saw it initially, you were like, oh, cool, a phone that does lots of things at once. I need one of those. And our value of multitasking is through the roof. The problem is that's not only true in our lives, it's true in our churches, In general, churches love to have a whole bunch of really good things to do, good things to get involved in, ways to encourage other people and awesome stuff. So no one's knocking the idea that there's not churches going, hey, there's a graffiti class over here on how you can destroy your neighborhood, okay? Not things like that that we're trying to do horrible things, but in that midst of so many good things, it's hard to discern what's the best thing. Often what happens is that church leaders really struggle with the idea of saying no to good things in order to say yes to the best thing. And what we found at HDC is this, our premise for this evening and this, this last part of our series, there is great power in focus. Great power comes when we focus our attention, our energies, our gifts, and our time. And so that's what we're going to pull away from. We're going to take a look. One example of that is the laser, okay? A laser is exactly that. Let's see if I can remember this. It was light amplification by, what's the S? 
Uh, do you remember? Say it out loud if you remember. Stimulated emission of radiation. Thank you. So it's an acrostic. If you didn't know it, that's what laser stands for. And what lasers are, are these, um, these wonderful things of taking the radiation that emits out of atoms that are giving off radiation and, and putting them in what we call coherent light. Light that looks like this. My friend Jeremy let me borrow this. And um, I think our, our fog was so good in the room as we were starting. I'm not going to blind people, I promise. Um, but, uh, but you'll notice my green laser pointer. And I just could do this all day long. It's so cool. I just love playing with these. And, and so what you're seeing on the wall over there is you're seeing focused light where all of the atoms are working together. They're working together to be able to shoot this light in a very narrow, focused direction. And you can, as my hand passes through it, you can see, obviously, it's not hitting the wall. That's what a laser is. Now, incoherent light is the light that we often see in so many other areas of our life. And that would be like the fire, maybe, that was coming off of a campfire. And it's, it's, it gets warm, and it's bright, and it lights up the place. But there's no focus to it at all. It's kind of sending light every direction. Well, the problem is, is that there's nothing wrong with incoherent light, but there are definite applications in our lives that demand laser-focused, coherent light. The idea when all the atoms can find agreement and work together to emit their radiation all at the same time. So you wouldn't want this. You go in for some sort of a surgery that required a laser, something that you were going to do on the job in a construction site that needed a laser, defense systems that use lasers, your electronic equipment that runs by lasers, you would not want to take that, like walk around with a, a torch on fire and try to do the same thing, right? That doc's going to do a laser in your eye, but he's got a torch that's going to do just as good a job, okay? Probably not. So we talk about the value of coherent light when everything is working together simultaneously to achieve a goal, focus. And there's great power that comes out of that. We're gonna see that demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And we're gonna understand in our own lives, now how do we imitate that for us? So take a look in your notes. Number one, we begin with Jesus. Our Savior was focused on his mission. Our Savior was laser focused on his mission. He knew what he came to do. And that's what he was going to be about. I'm going to riddle off a, a, a list. If you have a Bible, you're going to try to stay with me in the book of John. But I'm going to give you a few different examples all throughout just this one gospel of John that demonstrate Jesus' focus, that he was not going to relent. He was not going to be turned to one side or to the left, but is going to be focused on his mission of what he came to do. It begins in John chapter 2, verses 4. And be mindful, what did Jesus come to do but to offer himself as a sacrifice for sinners? That was his aim. That was his goal. It begins this way. Jesus talking to his mother at a wedding in Cana. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Sounds kind of bold and harsh, but what he's saying is this. Hey, for me to reveal who I am and what I came to do, not yet. Flip over to John chapter 7, verse 30. This is a crowd. Jesus is teaching them. They don't like what he said. And this is what it says as, a, as John is uh, narrating. At this, what he had just recently said, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. Jesus was here for a focused mission, and nothing, not even outside forces, were going to dissuade that. 
Moving over a chapter, John chapter 8, verse 20. Jesus, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him. They didn't seize him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. Nothing was going to turn him aside. John chapter 12, verse 23, listen to what he says. The hour has come. Now we're here. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. John chapter 12 is just before Jesus goes up to the upper room. He's in Jerusalem. He's going to celebrate the last Passover, the last meal he's going to eat with his disciples. And now he says this kind of triggers a brand new thought. His disciples had never heard him say this. And now he says, now, now this has come upon us. Next chapter, John 13, 1. Listen to these words. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Now, to leave this world was not just going to be an exit strategy, wasn't just going to disappear. He wasn't just going to elevate in the clouds yet. What he was going to do was die on the cross. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In the midst of his mission, he never, ever stopped loving people because love is what motivated and drove him the entire time. And lastly, we see John 17, 1. Jesus has been praying, is about to be praying in the garden with his disciples that this, after he had said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Though Jesus had done so many good things, while he was on earth and could have continued to invest his time and his energy into things like healing people. That's a good thing. Performing amazing miracles. That's a good thing. Casting out demons out of people. Did it so many times. Could have kept doing that. Could have continued to teach the masses. But instead, while those were good things, they were never the main thing. They were never the best thing of why he arrived and what he came to do. And that was to do what would absolutely change everyone on the planet's eternity forever. We're so glad he was so focused. Now let's not do this. Let's not say it was so great for Jesus. So glad his life was focused. Too bad that doesn't apply to me. That's where you're wrong. Number two, your assignment to the church is focused. Your assignment to the church. And when we say the church, obviously HDC is an example of that. We're not necessarily saying only HDC, but to a local body of Christ followers, your assignment is very focused. Here's what we're saying. That when we understand, uh, as we read the Bible, it teaches us that when you put your faith in Jesus to be your savior, that when his sacrifice and payment on the cross is now applied to your account, something amazing happens simultaneously at that moment. The Bible says that you have actually received what the Bible calls spirituals or spiritual gifts, charis. And, and these gifts have a purpose. They're to be used. Let me, let me read with you why you have them and what they're to be used for. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can read on the screen. This is how it goes, beginning in verse four. Paul writing to a church that was very confused on this topic. And this is what he says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Purpose statement. You are given gifts for the good of others. 
To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between gifts. To another, speaking different kinds of tongues or languages. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we see that these gifts are rightly titled spiritual gifts because they come from the spirit of God that is indwelling you. One who has been saved because of Jesus. And now these gifts have a purpose. You are to use them. I've said so many times that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have spiritual gifts. So it's not a question of if you should be serving God. It's simply where and how. Establish that with great clarity tonight. It's not a question of if you should be serving, it's simply where and how. Let's get out of our minds that to serve in a local church, to serve according to your gifts, is some over and above idea that's not expected of everyone, just the super Christians are the ones who are supposed to serve. Not me, because I'm not really all that, fill in the blank, talented, available, wonderfully gifted, whatever it may be. And whatever that excuse is that has been keeping you and holding out, let me tell you, engage that tonight. We'll talk more a little bit on this subject. Um, So I'm gonna skip it for now, but this is the point. Your assignment to the local church is focused according to your gifts. God's never gonna ask you to serve in a way that's not consistent with how he's built you. So know that and know that that's what he wants from you and from me. Number three in your notes, your assignment to the world is focused. Not just to a local body of believers, but to the world, it's a focused assignment. You know that every weekend we talk about being a world changer. We talk about you being a person of significant influence in your relational world of eight to 15 people, your oikos. That group of people that God has supernaturally and strategically placed you among for the purpose of demonstrating Jesus' love and life to them. This is your purpose. This is why you're on the planet. And we understand that and we respond in the same way that these words came. As Jesus had just healed a man possessed by demons, this was Jesus' response to him Once the man said, Jesus, let me follow you. Mark 5, 19, Jesus did not let him, but said, go go home to your own people, to your own oikos, to your own relational world and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You and I might not have a testimony that seems so amazing and supernatural as the idea of being released from demon bondage. But let me tell you, this is the premise for all of us that we would go back to our homes, go back to our worlds and be people of significant influence because we demonstrate and we talk about the love of Jesus to the people that we interact with. Let me remind you as well, and I love this. Rick Warren said it years ago. He is, they're so driven at at Saddleback about these five purposes, right? But he has said on more than one occasion of these five purposes, you can do them all. You'll do them all on earth and you'll do them all in heaven, except sharing your faith. This makes 
demonstrating and sharing our faith, the prime objective, something we will not do once we die. So instead, that needs to be our mission. That's what Jesus clarifies. That's not just one of the good things. That's the best thing. That's the main thing that we talk about week in and week out. So let's break that down and talk about it here at HDC. Look at your notes. HD, your assignment at HDC is focused. Your assignment, and you looked at it like there's nothing, there's no blank to fill in. We were so scared you were going to get that wrong, we filled it in for you. We did not want you to miss this. Your assignment, our assignment, what we're about, what High Desert Church rallies around is this idea of laser focus. There are so many good things we could invest ourselves in and they would be wonderful. But they're not the main thing. They're not the best thing. So therefore, we're gonna focus our energies as a leadership team. We're gonna talk about how can we be a people who best prepares and equips people to be world changers. See, HDC is a partnership and Pastor Tom started kind of using this idea in the last couple of years. Just go with this premise for a second. If, if what I've said is true tonight, that God has intended that your primary person, your, your objective, your purpose, you sitting in your chair, not the person next to you, not the person on the other side of the room, not the guy up front, your purpose is to be a person of world change. If that is true, then you need a partner who's gonna give you the best tools possible to be prepared to do that. That's what we're about. Let me break it down this way. We're amazing math people here at High Desert Church. Our, our leadership team's awesome. What we did is we calculated and we figured out through a lot of trigonometry, I can't even say the word, equations, um, that during a course of seven days in a week, you have 112 awake hours. Okay, that's eight hours of sleep, give or take. Some of you are like, eight hours of sleep? I would love that. <laughs> Talk to me. If you're a parent of two-year-olds, you have no idea what eight hours of sleep is. Okay, but eight hours of sleep, take that aside, let's call that sleep time, but the rest of your wake time is 112 hours a week. Now with that 112 hours, let's see what that looks like in your life and how that plays out. This is what it looks like for most of us. It's overstuffed. Your box is way too full before I ever even mentioned it. You heard 112 hours and you thought, well, that's not true. I don't sleep so I can get more stuff done. Remember multitasking, you know, the kid? That's what you're all about. You look like that, by the way, when you come on the campus. You kind of that look about you. You're kind of dizzy. This is the problem. So here's what we talk about. You have an overstuffed box, an overstuffed life. And it, and it represents by these things. Here's my box, by the way, bro. I cannot close it. And the reason why is it's, because it's full of too many things, too many big things. Number one, I definitely have soccer ball to represent soccer practice and other team sports I take my kids to. Of course, it's pink, right? You'd have to have that. Um, and then obviously, if you're a student or you take students to school, you got your backpack and you got lots of books in here, stuff you have to do. That's huge. That takes a lot of time. Obviously, you commute up and down the hill in a white Barbie Jeep. Right? This is my son Jackson, so I felt bad bringing it today. But um, anyway, so that takes time. Driving up and down the hill, driving places you gotta go. You gotta eat, okay? You gotta make dinner, gotta eat, that's important. Some of you, you know, when you think obviously about your job, and um, you, I brought my briefcase to represent that, you gotta have your job and the things to provide for your family, that makes sense. And these are all basic things, nothing I'm talking about is crazy. We also um, have a Commodore 64 computer um, thing. <laughs> Um, 
the best thing I could find that I didn't mind breaking related to the way that we spend our time on computers, social media, on the list goes. I know none of you use social media on a Commodore 64, so it's a little bit dated. But here's your life. Here's at least a snapshot in all of these things. Nothing that I said here was bad. It's good things. Just so many good things, there's not necessarily room for the best things. And what happens is, is that then you process this idea and you think about life and you think about your time and you go, well, how in the world am I going to get involved in church? How in the world am I going to be a world changer and be prepared to be that person when my life is so overstuffed already? It's a great question. It causes you great anxiety. Pastor Tom did a great thing a couple years ago, probably three at least, maybe four years ago. He surveyed our church family. And this is basically the question that he asked. What would you say is a reasonable amount of time that you would give to High Desert Church on a weekly basis? Think about your 112 awake hours. How many of them through the course of your life would you be able to dedicate to be better prepared to be a world changer? The surveys came back. One of the mean averages that came out was five hours. Five hours a week. Now, some of you hear that number and you have all kinds of different emotions to it. Just without any emotion, mathematically, five hours is 4.5% of 112. So four plus percent of your week dedicated to being better prepared as a world changer. Now, some of you are appalled that that's such a small amount. Others of you are like, dang, I wish I had five hours to give. I don't have that at all. So I don't know even what to think about that. Don't worry about it. As a staff, we didn't react. We just began to think. And this became the question. And it was posed to us as a staff. If the average person, if someone who attends and is a part of High Desert Church would commit five hours in a given week, what is the very best way that we could prepare them to change their worlds for Christ? What are the things that would stay and what are the things that would go? That was the question put before us. And as a result, and processing that, that's how we landed on what we call the three meaningfuls. If you've ever wondered about the backstory to that, that's it. A survey came back, we could invest five hours on a weekly basis, cool. Then we're gonna take those five hours and we're gonna tell you this is the very best way we can prepare you to be the man or the woman that God has called you to be as a world changer. That's where that comes from. And that's what we want to be as a great partner to you. Now, then you look back at your box and you go, okay, now how am I going to do this? My box was already overstuffed. I brought my HDC Bible to represent those five hours. How am I going to jam that in there? And can I tell you something? I want to tell you probably one of the most liberating things for those of you who are living this life. You can take stuff out. Let me even rephrase that. You must take stuff out. And I know at first blush, you disagree with me because you go, no, Todd, you don't, you don't understand. And I'm gonna tell you, you're right. I don't understand your world like you do, but I wanna push back on you a bit. And I wanna tell you this, that maybe for the very first time, you need to begin to process your life not around a lot of good things, but instead around the main thing. And if you are, for eternity's sake, called to be a world changer, this is worth your time. 
This is worth your energy. This is worth your focus. So when you begin with the big rocks, as it were, though maybe not bigger compared to these, when you begin with the big rocks, then the other things begin to fit. And we get to take your job and we go, yeah, you know what? It's pretty important that I'm providing for my family. Maybe I need to rethink how much overtime I put in. Maybe I need to rethink some of those other priorities. But the bottom line, I'm obviously still doing that. We look at school and we go, you know what? Maybe related to school, there's so many good things in our typical day, let's say, is maybe a, a six and a half, seven hour school day. But some of us, we have so many other extracurricular things, obviously represented wonderfully by towels, right? Old dirty towels. But we think about some of the aspects related beyond books and related to those things. And we go, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, I could trim back some things so I'd have some more room. Now, if you're in here and you're a student, like under 18, you're saying, God, thank you for letting Todd say that. I don't have to do as much school anymore. I told you, mom, that's awesome. Maybe as you look at this, you have to commute to where your job is. Maybe there's not a lot you can do about your time that way. Okay, you have to eat. I think it's a good idea to keep doing that. Okay, I put that in there. And And then I look at the rest and I go, do I really need as a parent to commit my kid to 15 to 20 hours a week playing a sport? Now, if your kid's playing ASO in Victorville, they don't play that much, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe we need to reevaluate something that my kid is not going to do for the rest of their life. Ask the question. If nothing else, ask the question. Is Todd saying we shouldn't do extracurricular things? No. But maybe we should do them in more moderation. What am I saying related to social media? Dear God, yes, you should ask the question, am I spending too much time here? Related to how much time I'm online, can I tell you how many couples counseling appointments I have and talk through with a husband typically who won't get off the computer? He might not be doing anything even wrong on it. It just consumes his life. The same could be true for a wife. You have to ask the questions. You have 112 awake hours a week. You get to choose how you're going to use them. And the box really can fit. The box really can fit with both the things that you're called to do that you need to do about your life and your family as well as what you're essentially initially called to do. And that's to be prepared to be the world changer God has called you to be. Now, let me say something. Before I really, really push on this idea of how, I mean, I was processing this message and thinking about other churches that I've served at. And, and there, would, there would be more than annually, often throughout the year, there would be so many pushes of, you need to come to church more. You need to get involved in serving. You need to find a small group. These would be things we talk about all the time. But, but that was it. That was like a cul-de-sac. It was do more things to people who already had overstuffed lives, who just saw it as more weight and more guilt. Instead of really asking the question, why are we going to church more? Why should I be in a community of other believers? Why should I be investing my gifts in the lives of the greater good? And remember what we said These five hours a week were all focused around the idea of how to better prepare you to be a world changer. Can I tell you, if you are investing 
your life, if you are influencing the people in your relational world, you gulp these five hours up. I need to be at church on the weekends so I can grow and understand God's word, not only better for myself, but to be able to share with my neighbor, to be able to share with my coworker, to share with this person I've been praying for. When you think about your small group, you're getting beat up during the week in the world. You need a group of community of believers that you can come around and say, you know what? I, this is such a great shot in the arm. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for walking through God's word with me. Thank you for being another layer of people praying for my oikos. When you realize that you have gifts to serve, do you know that all the different teams that are represented this weekend, in one way or another, all contribute to making not only, not like this is all they do, but one significant thing they do, every one of those teams has some degree of investment in the weekend services. Do you know that when you use your gifts to make the weekend services something that are so good and so honoring to God, do you know that you are partnering with that person who invited the, their oikos person to come to church? They're here for the first time and you were the one wearing a blue shirt who welcomed them. You were the one steering and navigating a camera so they could get a great shot of the communicator or the band. You were the one who's working with their kids over in the two-year-olds. You're the one doing that. You're the one making world change happen because they will come, they will experience a service on this Victorville campus and they will walk away and say, when's the next one? Because there's such a great group of people who love to serve according to their gifts. This is my challenge to you. If you are not involved and invested in life change, can I tell you, these three meaningfuls are meaningless. They are just an end in themselves. They are doing drills, preparing for things you're never going to use. Because all you're gonna do is look at the Bible and look at worship music and look at small groups and look at methods of serving for your own self-interest. How does this make me fill in the blank? But as long as your aim and your focus is outward, looking at your world, this is something essential. You being a world changer makes these three things critical to your life and something you appreciate, something you look forward to. And here they are. Simply said, our three meaningfuls in those five hours, meaningful worship. Attend a weekend worship service on any of our four campuses. Meaningful relationships, get involved in a small group. You'll have a chance to do that later on this month. You'll hear more about it. And finally, what we are talking about even tonight, meaningful roles, use your gifts. Find your ministry shape, shape evaluations to know your gifts and use them. So here's how we're gonna let you go tonight. Look at that campus map. We're gonna put it up there one more time. I'm gonna, oh, you have a blank. Let's fill that in. That's no good. We know you can't do everything. You might be tempted to do many things, we just want you to do something. Do something. That's what we've been about this summer. Look at our campus map to remind you one last time with my cool laser, student ministries outside the chapel, safety on the north side of the island, HDC kids in the fireside room, campus support over on the front lawn and productions here in the back. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna let you go. Your kids are gonna be in classes for another 15 minutes. They do not need you to pick them up now. So you have time to go talk. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for a church that has said no to a lot of good things so we can rally and focus around the best thing, the main thing. And so God, let these things be our purpose, being world changers. Let these three meaningfuls be what which equips us and prepares us to do that better. And especially about meaningful roles, especially about serving as we highlight and focus on that this week. God, people who are not currently serving, would you use this time to be the beginning of an amazing experience serving you, serving others. We love you and we pray in Jesus' awesome name. You're out of here, but you're welcome for them in the back and go talk to people at Serve Campus. We'll see you next weekend.